Hello, Freedom Fighters. Thank you for listening. This audio interview is brought to you by Open World Magazine, the ultimate guide for pursuing a life of adventure and passion and setting up a location-independent business that can support your dream lifestyle. Go check us out at openworldmag.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Open World Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Flood. And in this episode, I'm joined by David Hinden. He's a doctor by trade and a freelance writer who picks up copywriting gigs through sites like Fiverr. And he's also a closet tech enthusiast who has just kickstarted a new digital magazine raising over $7,000 called Invented Magazine. That's www.inventedmagazine.com. And it's a really cool digital magazine. He's designed for uh, anyone who wants to become a tech entrepreneur uh, but doesn't really know how. It has a lot of, uh, it's going to have a lot of valuable insights and actionable takeaways. Really great resource. I'm really excited to see it come to life and excited to have David here on the show. Uh, Welcome, David. Danny, thanks for having me on. So I'm really interested in learning more about you and how um, you've combined so many different, I guess, passions. I mean, you're uh, a practicing physician, but you're also uh, doing freelance writing. Um, you seem to be really passionate about entrepreneurship. You just got invited to do a, a TEDx talk. Uh, what's driving you to to do all these things? You know, where does the spark come from? You know, I think it's funny when you when you have something completely taken away from you, it makes you really crave it even more. And uh, so I'm, I'm about halfway through training, uh, as a surgeon in my residency. And I was feeling really just starved for all the other creative parts of me that I was kind of leaving behind. So before I went to residency, I did a lot of creative writing and, and that was a big part of who I was. I, I've, uh, played violin my whole life and, you know, music and that kind of creativity was you know, part of what made me, me. And when you enter residency, there's this intense focus and demand on your, you know, in your time and your body and working crazy hours. And the only thing in the world you're talking about or thinking about most of the time is surgery or medicine. And so I really started missing these other parts of me that were, you know, these creative parts and these uh, creative outlets that I'd had before. And I think that absence actually became a, a really big push for me to to dive into the entrepreneurial world. I'm not sure if that if that sounds crazy or not, but that was sort of where the push came from. Tell tell me a little bit more about your background and um, you know what's what's this been like? What's this uh, progression been like? I mean, I guess you, you mentioned that you were bored. Why did you decide to? You were a musician before. Why did you decide to become a physician? I, you know, I, I've always liked, uh, the creative parts of who I am, like, you know, music and writing, but I I never wanted that to be my bread and butter. I never wanted to have to depend on that to actually be bringing income. Um, so I, I've always had the scientific part of who I am. I, I really like working with people and I figured when I went into, when I applied to medical school back in the day, I figured, you know, I'd find something. And I, at the time I, I thought I was going to be a pediatrician, got to medical school, realized I loved working with my hands. I love the connection that you have with your patients as a surgeon. So that's kind of why I went down that pathway to do surgery training. 
Um, but in, in terms of the entrepreneurial stuff and, and the creative parts of who I am, um, basically what happened was in the United States, when you do surgery residency, it's either a five-year training pathway or a seven-year pathway with two years of dedicated uh, research time. So I'm on the tail end of my two-year research block. And as soon as I entered the lab about two years ago, I suddenly had extra time to play around with. And that's when I kind of had this like this like reawakening of time to be creative. And, and that's when I dove into the entrepreneurial world by actually doing writing that was that was paid for, you know, you know, paid sales copy and copywriting and things like that. That's awesome. I know so many uh, like physicians and, you know, my cousin, the pharmacist uh, and like, you know, maybe they'll work night shifts and stuff. And when they're, they have the free time, they, they'll watch like um, a whole season of Dexter or something or, right, yeah. know, or Netflix or something like this. And it's like they just want to forget about work and everything else. And uh, they'll just zone out, you know, with like a sandwich uh, during their free time, you know, and not really have much ambition totally. or a life outside of work. But uh, you're totally the opposite, I think, and that's that's really cool. Why do you think um, that is? I mean, I, I'm looking at your you're actually a top rated seller on uh, Fiverr under the pseudonym <laughs> David three eighty eight, and uh, yeah. you describe yourself as a surgeon, writer, and seller extraordinaire. Uh, why do you think that you just have this this burning when you know so many other like professionals uh, they live for their job and that's it? Well, I think. Uh... I think a lot of people live for their job, um, especially in medicine, but there are a lot of other people who look like they live for their job from the outside, but inside they have, you know, these, these sort of frustrated passions that they haven't been able to pursue. Um, I used to up until recently be like, you know, what you just described, I used to come home from the hospital and, and die into something on Netflix or just, you know, sit down on the couch with dinner and not get up till it's time to go to bed. Sometime in the past two years or so, I, I kind of discovered podcasts. And now whenever I am not actively doing something, I have a podcast playing. So when I'm driving, I'm listening or when I'm home in my apartment. And I think, I think that whole world is just this constant flow of inspiration and gives you constant ideas and gets you excited about stuff. Um, uh, you know, I, I think I think having an outlet outside of your outside of your job can actually kind of reinvigorate you for whatever your job is. And Fiverr, like you're pointing out, Fiverr is is uh, I'm not I'm not proud of I'm not proud of uh, telling people that I do that because I think everyone always thinks that Fiverr is kind of this low quality place to get cheap work done on the cheap, but um, it, it's ended up being a really great way to to sort of use my creativity in, in almost like a, like a little creative lab and you can test stuff out. And, uh, I've really met some great clients on there too. I love it. So you were listening to all these podcasts and instead of just being a, a entrepreneur and, you know, just fantasizing about all these different ideas, I mean, you actually took action and, um, <laughs> Fiverr, that's, that's like, seems like the easiest place to start. You know, there's all these gigs you can just do for $5, but, uh, you've actually, you said that you were expecting to clear ten thousand by the end of your first year. Ten thousand dollars. Yeah, I, def I definitely cleared ten thousand by the end of my first year. Um, awesome. You know, I, uh, Ramit Sethi talks a lot about um, playing in a different sandbox, 
And I, I, I love thinking about that analogy because, um, you, you know, when you're doing a, a project on, on these sites that are often used by people as sort of one-off places to get something done quick, you can do a bunch of small projects for a couple bucks, like, like, you know, $5, like their namesake, or you can sort of put yourself in a position where you're only looking to work with, uh, people for larger projects. So rather than having a, an average order size of, you know, five or 10 bucks, I, I tend to go after larger projects where the average order size starts at 50 or hundred bucks and, and goes up from there. Um, and, and when you do that, all of a sudden you can be taking just one or two orders a week, but that's already an extra thousand dollars a month. Um, you know, and it really adds up. So walk me through your recipe here. You know, what are, uh, I guess <laughs> if I'm a listener, I'm probably intrigued by this point. Uh, could you give me like some tips on how you, how you made this happen? You know, what you were doing? Sure, uh, sure. What made a big difference? Are, and are, are we talking about, about Fiverr specifically right now? Is that what you mean? Yeah, I'd like to know. I think, I think a lot of the lessons that you got from Fiverr probably cross over to other uh, avenues as well, right? Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's absolutely fair to say. Um, so one thing that I do is I, 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 when I get excited about something, I kind of, I can't keep my mouth shut about it. So I've all, I've been telling friends all along that, you know, they need to get on Fiverr and I've been, you know, nagging people that, that need extra cash to do it just because I get so excited about it. Um, and so I've found myself actually coaching people and, and sort of teaching people how, how to do this. The first thing that I tell people to do is to put up a profile that has a picture of their face, you know, looking into the camera and, uh, on Fiverr, they have these things called gigs where you see, you know, a large thumbnail photograph for something. And then it has the headline and then people click into it and read more about whatever that service is. Um, it, and it is just such an awesome way to get good at writing copy, to practice your messaging and how you communicate with people. So, I tell folks when they're just starting out to have a great photograph of themselves to put together a compelling, quick three-line bio that sort of makes people curious to learn more. And then all the basic stuff that you want to get good at in business in general and, and, you know, for bloggers and everything, how to put together a good image that catches people's eye, how to put together a headline that makes people want to click and open it up, um, and and then just your basic copywriting skills, you know, how you describe whatever this service is that you're offering, you know, and again, on Fiverr, they call it a gig, but you want someone that has been looking for your category to land on your gig, to open it up, to start reading what you're saying and to be nodding and saying, yes, yes, that's me. Yes, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And they've already bought it in their mind. They haven't even gotten to the part where you talk about your different fees and everything, whatever it is, they're going to spend it because they're already convinced. And you're right. That's not just something for that one particular website. That's a, a skill that you want to have in all of your entrepreneurial pursuits, really. Okay. Uh, got anything else for me? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm Let's see. Over your, I'm uh, you want me to take you through now. the tips? Yeah. yeah, yeah you want me to take you through some, some of the other tips? So, so that's, that's yeah. kind of the, the global you know, the 10,000 foot view that I tell people to sort of construct things, uh, you know, David, when that looks, looks good. Yeah. Could you walk me through the, um, 
the service offering, like the gigs that you're offering? Because I'm, I'm looking at your gigs and they all, it looks like oh, yeah, they all sure. start at $5. So um, you have, obviously, like you've, you've discovered that money's made on the back end. You know, it's not made on that one-time front-end sale. And you have um, a bunch of like extras here. So I think that's where the, yeah, so yeah, the money so. is made. So I'm curious to know about that. Yeah, so okay, so the money is made, and, and, and I'll say even before you get to there, you, you have to you have to start building up your your ratings and and your order volume. We we can talk about that separately though. To answer your question about how you make you know a hundred dollars or you know thousands of dollars from a single order that someone clicks on that says five dollars at the top, there are a couple built-in features that they have in their platform. So. Let's see, I'm looking at one of my gigs right now that, that's for sales copy. And when I open it up, uh, it, you know, it says at the top, it says for $5. But then you scroll down and you have what they call their gig extra section. So I think I have my average turnaround time set to maybe a week or so. This one I have set to two weeks. They can pay 50 bucks to get it back in two days. Um, and then I charge you know, different, different rates for different amounts of words. So a lot of these gigs, especially by the more successful sellers on Fiverr that have that top rated seller badge in their profile, when you click into their gig, you see that the, the entry level purchase is just for a sample of their service for the actual service. Maybe, um, it's like a hundred dollars to have, to have a piece of copy written up rather than just $5 for anything. So what you're looking at right now, it, it's the gig extras section that they have built in at the end of the gigs that really determines how much, uh, you know, how much you're capturing in terms of purchase price. And then the platform as a whole is also rolling out what they are starting to call gig packages or they have different words for it. But basically it means they're now giving you the option to put together gigs that start at more than $5. So I have like a, a crowdfunding gig where, you know, the entry level purchase is like $15 for me to sort of do just a, a cursory overview of someone's crowdfunding project and give a couple points of feedback. And and then, you know, I have a mid-level purchase at 150 and I have, what I think I, I labeled it concierge level at 500 for me to be sort of an on-call strategist for them. That's a new feature on Fiverr so that you can start with a base purchase that's already well above $5. Okay, so if I purchase this uh, sales copy gig for $5, what do I get for $5? Because I see a lot of the extras. Uh, yeah, so yeah. so uh, I, think, I think, what do I have there? I think, uh, I think $5 is just a, a sample for a 25-word uh, piece of, of sales copy. 20, 25 so, words. Okay. 25 words. So it has to be, it has to be explained somewhere in the description on Fiverr. Um, so I think I, yeah, I have that towards the bottom. It says the first gig is, is for, you know, a 25 word sample of copy for these gigs. The platform still requires for the majority of gigs for a seller to have a $5 option. So that's, that's what, again, these sort of high roller sellers, that's what, what people tend to do. They have, a small sample at the $5 level. And then, you know, for the full service, then it's, you know, $1,500 to get started. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. 
you have to kind of you have to kind of get get creative with some of these things. But uh, again, that's that's a good thing, I think. What people don't realize is that all these sites like uh, Fiverr, Amazon, Upwork. I mean, they're all just platforms. You know, they're they're platforms to that's right for you to do marketing. I guess everywhere that you put yeah. up a profile, it's it's marketing. It's it's getting you leads, and to get leads, you have to go where the users are. And apparently, Fiverr has got a huge user base because you're you're getting a lot of leads. I take it. I am, and and you know, I, I try to be pretty pretty honest, careful. Whenever someone comes to me through Fiverr, um, I try to keep all of their purchases through that platform. Fiverr actually takes a twenty percent cut, um, so it hurts. You know, if someone spends fifteen hundred dollars on me to put together. You know, a big project. It hurts to give that up. Um, and, you know, and sometimes people have communicated with me through outside channels. But I try to, I try to be uh, absolutely strict about anyone who's found me through their platform keeping all their purchases through it because I think that's only fair. Um, with some of the other pat- platforms that you mentioned, though, it, it's not it's not as big a deal to use it as sort of a way to recruit and then and then sell to people outside of the platform. When you uh, first signed up for these, uh, when you first signed up for Fiverr and you created these gigs, did you find that you were getting inquiries right away, or did you have to do things to optimize your profile to help it to rank and to uh, get more inquiries? Uh, I was not getting inquiries right away. I got so that's that's like the hardest part. That's usually I'd say ninety percent of what I help people with when they come to me for consulting specific to Fiverr. So. You know, the hardest part is breaking that seal, uh, going from zero sales because no one is going to order from someone else with zero sales. So going from zero sales to someone that has even just a couple sales that's gotten five star reviews for their sales. So then when a new possible client clicks on that guy's profile, they see, oh, this person is a five star rated seller. And yes, maybe they've only had two sales or three sales. As soon as you have that first rating and it and it gives you a five star average overall, then you're kind of off to the races. Um, it, it, the other stuff you asked about, though, in terms of having to play around with with what your offerings are, I actually started off uh, with with ridiculously menial tasks that I was doing for people. I mean, uh, I've always been fast at typing, uh, and and so if you know if you're talking about going where you know, where the demand is, there's always demand on Fiverr for, for people doing transcription. Uh, you know, so here I am, I've spent, I, I don't know, 20 plus years in, 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 or almost 20 years, you know, in, in higher education, I, I'm making life or death decisions at, 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 you know, at the hospital at work, you know, for people in extremely high pressure, critical situations. And I'm getting paid initially, like less than a buck an hour to inscribe someone's some jerks, you know, thing about a new funnel or something that this person claims will make millions. And, and it really, it really is humbling in the beginning. You have to be willing to put in the time up front just to start building, building up that bulk volume of reviews, because that's what gives you the, that social proof on your profile. How is your experience like working with these clients? Um, it's been, you know, I'd say, 90% 90% of the time, it's it's a positive experience. I think every once in a while, people come to that platform expecting something cheap and expecting to, uh, you know, to sort of take advantage 
of you know of whoever they encounter because it, it it's it's not like uh these high-end products that that specifically attract people that only have their act together and are only you know in it to purchase a high-end premium item you know i think when people are coming to a website that already you know by its name promises cheap 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 then people come into it you know with that kind of mentality but i'd say you know almost all of the people that i've met on fiverr have been great to work with i've made really uh interesting connections you know that that kind of last beyond the platform and uh yeah, i would definitely do it again in, in a heartbeat for sure yeah that's great i look at it i think an important distinction uh that someone like myself and, and yourself and uh I think most people who want to be entrepreneurs is uh, they'll approach a site like Fiverr or Fiverr or any platform, you know, any entrepreneurial pursuit, and they'll think of like, oh, I'm, I'm going to try to make a living off this. And then they, they see like, I'm making $1 an hour. You know, what the fuck is this? Oh, excuse me. What is this? And uh, I'll, I'll edit that part out later. Uh, no, do whatever. <laughs> and, um, and then they give up, you know, but, but they have to realize that. I mean, I look at it this, this, you know, working what you're doing now and getting these ratings, getting these clients, like this is marketing. You know, you're, you're doing this to yeah. increase your value in the marketplace. And that's marketing, you know, because if you're an entrepreneur, um, you can spend money on an ad and, you know, you're spending time and money just to get uh, a lead, you know, just to get these initial clients. And by doing this work, I mean, that's, it's essentially a form of marketing. And if you look at it that way, you, you realize that you're building an asset and you're, you're increasing your uh, visibility in the marketplace, and um, you know, over time, it will start to pay off. And I guess it, it was like that for you. So I imagine maybe like the first couple of months, you probably weren't making very much money, but then it kind of, uh, would you say, kind of picked up steam from there? Yeah, and and I mean, I, I was making, I mean, I was making enough to to start to make a difference. I'd say even within the first month or two. But definitely, you know, what you're talking about in terms of putting your head down and and putting in more work than the results you're seeing. That was definitely true for me for a while. You know, it, it's, it's, it's like an investment that you make. And, and I think almost no one on these platforms is going to just flip the switch and get started and look at, you know, the money start to pour in. Um, you certainly can use sites like, I mean, I, I obviously don't use Fiverr to make my living, but there certainly are people on that platform uh, that are doing that, you know, people that have bought cars and bought homes and support a family just through their income on that platform. Uh, I, I would never recommend setting up, you know, an entire, your entire career when it's sort of built someone else's backyard because if their website goes away, then you've got nothing. Um, but it can, it can be done and there are people who do it. Yeah, it's great stuff. So now you're a top-rated seller. I mean, you've put in your dues. You've been at this for, uh, I guess, over a year, right? How long has it been? Uh, I guess it's maybe about a year and a half right now. Yeah. Year and a half, and um, you're making more money with Fiverr now, I guess, than than the first year. Yeah, I I am. Uh, it, it's a lot easier now because I can sort of, depending on how much time I have, I can I can say. You know, someone will message me about something they want and I can say, yep, let's do it. Or I can say, you know, um, I'm not able to take on new clients right now. Check again with me in a month. And it really comes down to how much time I want to put into it. Um, you mentioned earlier in the call the, the, 
my crowdfunding campaign and, and the magazine that I'm starting. And that takes a lot, a lot of my time. And so yeah. I put a little bit less time into Fiverr and I intentionally take on less orders and, you know, I, I sort of control my income flow based on, on the time that I have to put into it. Gotcha. Now I want to, I want to transition to talking about that, but I, I think it's, it's definitely an important point that, um, you know, your, your entrepreneurial career is kind of just evolving this way. Um, you know, it's a natural progression over a course of, I guess, a couple of years, right? A year and a half, you said, since you started with this. Um, yeah. And, you know, a lot of people think that they're just going to come out the gate, you know, and, and they're going to they're gonna crush it. And it's just not that, that way. Um, you know, sometimes you got to put your time in. you got to pay your dues in the trenches. And, um, you know, eventually you get to the point where you can start to create products. You can start to leverage your skills into other things. Uh, I remember listening to yeah. like a, an interview with uh, Guy Kawasaki. And, you know, people are saying like, oh, you know, Guy Kawasaki has like a Twitter following of a million people and, you know, he already has like a huge list and a huge following. And, and Guy answered these people. He's like, guys, I've been writing books for 20 years or I think he said, you know, 30 years or something like this because he started in 1987, I think. And um, he's like, I've paid my dues, you know, to get to this point. And yeah. And, and I think, oh, keep going. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. That's, that's the point I wanted to make is, um, you know, it's just building that, building that platform, building your brand, you know, building your, your herd, your tribe, I guess. And when people talk about, you know, it's funny because in, in the other world that I know even more than entrepreneurial, you know, the world of surgery and, and you know, a surgeon in training, the, the idea of paying your dues, it's, it's part about learning the ropes, but it's also part about this, this hierarchy is in place. It's part of a bigger system. You know, it's expected that you come up through the hierarchy because that's what you have to do. And so I, when I hear that the, the, the phrase paying your dues, I think of, you know, you have to do this because you're supposed to, and that's what you're expected to do. But there's also something to be said for the amount of personal evolution that you go through when you put in the work in the beginning. It's not just paying your dues because you should. Uh, it's like when we talk about paying your dues, it's really about learning about yourself and, and learning. I mean, I'm a much better copywriter now than I was when I first got started. Um, and there's a huge personal transformation that happens as you're going through all of the grunt work coming up and building something from scratch. Yeah, that's a great point. I feel like when I was starting out as an entrepreneur uh, after college, I felt like 80% of my, my time and energy was spent on learning. And then, you know, maybe 20% yeah. applying that. Uh, and now it's, it's like, I guess, Definitely. flipped around at this point. But, you know, I, that's what paying your dues was for me, you know, reading uh, one business book or one marketing book or one advertising book a week. And, um, you know, just, just trying to figure everything out, I guess. Definitely. Yeah. So tell me about uh, Inventive Magazine. You've just recently uh, funded this on Kickstarter. You've raised over $7,000. Uh, you also have a ultimate guide for launching a product with Kickstarter. Um, walk me through your campaign and, you know, where you're going from here. Sure. Um, yeah. So the magazine itself is it's geared towards people that, uh, our early stage or even first time entrepreneurs or even, I hate the term, but entrepreneurs, you know, people who have wanted to get started and haven't figured out how. Um, and it's geared towards people that have an idea for something and don't know how to bring it 
to life. Uh, you know, I can't tell you the, the number of friends who've said to me, and, and now I'm really starting to hear it more, you know, oh, I have this idea for this thing, but, you know, I don't know how to do it. Or, you know, oh, I have this idea that, you know, this would be great, but, you know, I'm, I'm just waiting, waiting till the time's right. And the whole point of this magazine is to really show people how to do it um, by highlighting really successful, really early stage tech startups, people who are making it big that just got started. You know, because when you hear an interview with Richard Branson or these these big fish in, in the industry, it's hard to, it's sometimes hard to relate, you know, when they're talking about what life was like at the beginning. But when you are hearing from someone who is maybe six months out or 12 months out from the very beginning, you can really get a different kind of value from that conversation. So the magazine is designed to sort of um, share their stories and to also share actionable tips and strategies that you can literally put it down and start using those strategies immediately. Um, in terms of how I got started, uh, once I had the idea, I spoke to some designers, I, I did my first couple interviews and I, I put together, you know, what we'd call an MV, a minimum viable product. And, and that's what I showed on, on Kickstarter. And uh, I kind of put that out there and I used Instagram to to be my main um, social media outlet to build a following. So I went from zero to about 10,000 followers in uh, a little over 60 days or so. Um, now I'm at close to 15,000, growing a couple hundred followers a day. And it really has been helping to build momentum for the brand and uh, for the magazine itself. Is this all through Instagram? That's, yeah, all, all that is through Instagram. Um, so when I was on Kickstarter, I was promoting while my Kickstarter was live every, you know, handful of posts, you, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about that jab, 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 right hook. I, you know, I'd have a bunch of content, but then occasionally I'd be mixing in there a post promoting my Kickstarter, telling people, you know, we're at 50% of the goal. It's only for the first 24 hours. Let's keep going. And, and by mixing that in there, I, I drove... I drove some traffic to Kickstarter straight from Instagram. And do you, do you find that a lot of um, or a good portion of your backers came from Instagram? Was it a viable uh, avenue for you? It was definitely a viable avenue. Um, one of the uh, I haven't been able to get an exact number, um, but from what I've from what I've seen so far, it seems like a decent chunk of the uh, the funding came came through Instagram related backers. You know, what I tried to do with every single backer that I got during the campaign was to send them a personal thank you message and then kind of say, hey, by the way, how did you find this campaign? Um, because that's that's one way that you can find out what your biggest traffic sources are and then hit those sources even harder. Um, but not everyone gets those messages because not everyone sees their Kickstarter inbox. So um, I, I heard back from some people that said, hey, yeah, we found you from Instagram. Uh, I heard back from other people who found me on Kickstarter itself. Uh, but I don't have a, an exact head count because there were folks that I don't think saw my message. Okay, but this is very cool. I'm very intrigued by this. I'm looking at your Instagram page right now. It's, um, we'll put a link to that on, on our show notes page. Uh, Instagram.com forward slash invented magazine. And um, at the moment, you've, you've published 200 posts. 
you have uh, nearly 15,000 followers. You're following 7,000 people. Uh, how long did it take you to get to this point where you are now? I'd say this has been, let's see, I think I started, I mean, I had the idea for the magazine in like late September. So I don't think I even created the account until sometime in mid-October. And then it was kind of almost inactive for the first the first month or so. I, I would post occasionally, um, but not a whole lot. And then I'd say late late November is when I really uh, started started to uh, to go hard on this. Um, the the folks over at Founder Magazine have done an incredible job with their Kickstarter, and that was really the inspiration for me to do the same. Um, yeah, Nathan Chan, we yeah. interviewed him uh, on the podcast as well. Uh, you can, That's right. Yeah, yeah, you can look up Nathan Chan uh, Instagram. He's got a, a big article on that. So you've been managing this yourself, your Instagram. I've been managing it totally myself. Um, oh. And uh, and yeah, and not only does Nathan have a course on this, they actually ran a competition that I participated in, and and uh, they featured me as their as their up. Uh, I forget how they phrase it, but I I got first place in their Instagram growth competition, um, and I and I use that to sort of give a little bit additional social proof to the brand. Um, but yeah, I've been doing Very this cool. all on my own, making the posts myself, posting them myself down the line when, when I have a little bit more, more leeway with, uh, with funding, then I'll, I'll probably hire a VA to at least help me build up the content. So in five months, you've gone from zero to 15,000 followers. It's also helped you to, uh, been a big part of your Kickstarter funding. Um, so should I talk more about Kickstarter or Instagram at this point? Uh, uh, so, so this is really cool. I mean, I've I've been using Instagram for a while, but it's it's just like I've I have trouble, you know, managing it because it takes a lot of time. You got to create these quotes. You're using uh, WordSwag, I take it, to create these images. I I have used WordSwag in the past. I've used okay. a bunch of different uh, pieces of software. So WordSwag is good. Um, I've used an, an online web app called Relay That for some of the posts that you see here. Okay. I've used Typorama. Um, okay. I use a, a, a piece of software called Over for some of these images. So really, kind of playing, and you know, and, and I get bored of doing the same thing. And so you, you can kind of <laughs> see if you scroll all the way to you know the bottom. I think my original posts were black and white with a quote, and then you know, then I started doing these other things with my logo and. When you are making your posts yourself, it actually forces you to change it up and get more variety because you cannot do the same thing over and over without just hating what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> I like the images you're posting now. They, they look great. So are you posting every single day or like twice a day or what's your, your posting set looking like? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm posting about once a day um, and I'm growing uh, – one to 200 followers per day doing that. I, I, wow. I will say that I'm not a great example of how much you should be posting. I ought to be posting if I really wanted to be maxing out on uh, Instagram. I, I really ought to be posting, you know, four to six times a day. I mean, there were days, especially <laughs> during that competition that founder and there are days when I, when I, you know, grow 300 plus followers a day, I'd be growing a couple thousand a week. Um, and, uh, you know, if you have the time to put into it, you, you see results. Um, but right now I, I'm probably posting about once a day. And then you're using the crowdfire app to, uh, 
find people to follow. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I, I, I when I have time for it, I use Crowdfire to, to uh, do exactly what you're saying to look at larger accounts in my niche and sort of find people to follow through there. So right now, you mentioned I, I'm following seven thousand people. I'm I'm constantly kind of running little experiments. So right now, I'm playing around with seeing how high I can get the people that I'm following because it used to be that I couldn't get I couldn't follow more than six thousand some people. Um, and so I've been surprised that I was able to cross that limit. And right now I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm really just seeing how high I can get that cause I'm trying to, to max it out and, and see where that limit is. Um, that's more just my own internal metrics cause I've been trying to figure out some stuff, uh, with how it's working on the back end. Cool stuff. So you've pretty much been doing this by the book, um, according to founders strategy. I've, I've read that article, right? So um, anything else that you've uh, improvised or that you've learned uh, as a result of doing this? It's I guess it just takes uh, dedication. You just got to do it, do it every day. I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's like you're saying. It takes it takes dedication. There are there are things that push the needle more than others. So I think okay. um, researching hashtags. Um, there are a couple different couple different sites to do that. Um, let me see. There's there's something called Tag Fire. There's something called Tags for Likes. You can just Google. But picking high volume popular hashtags that are still relevant to your content is helpful. Um, following, like, yeah, we talked about the following people, posting at times when you get high engagement. And you can even use uh, software to see when you get the most engagement for posts. And then that, that should really be assigned to you to focus even harder on those times of day. Okay, gotcha. Very cool. So uh, I'm loving this. So you, you cleared more than 10,000 uh, your first year on Fiverr. You've gone from zero to 15,000 followers on Instagram, and that played a big role in uh, your Kickstarter where you raised over $7,000. Um, what would you say, like, what, what's like the common characteristics that um, enable you to be successful in each of these different endeavors versus, I guess, other people who um, don't get the same results, you know, versus the, the 70 to 80% of people who launch quick starter campaigns and fail, um, you know, 80% of people who maybe start on Fiverr, but, you know, don't make more than a thousand dollars. Uh, what would you say is, uh, what would you say has been very, uh, key to your success? Being absolutely obsessed. I mean, <laughs> it, it it may not be the best advice for life, but um, y the people who don't make it are the people that want a piece of the pie and they want to step in, but they just want to dabble. They don't want to, you know, the people that occasionally I'll, I'll get on a free call with someone for advice. You know, if someone reaches out to me and, and they really seem like, uh, you know, they need the help or something. And once in a while I've, I've gotten kind of burned where I'll get in a call like that. And at the other end, you know, we'll be on like a video chat and Skype and I'll see the person check their phone for, you know, looking at texts on their phone or something. And it's, I just, I can't relate to people that aren't absolutely obsessed with their goal. I mean, if you're going to achieve whatever your goal is, you have to like care about it and you have to be really focused on it and not just kind of say, this is what I want, but then not even work hard to get it. 
So, I mean, with a lot of this stuff, and we were talking about this earlier in terms of putting in the time, a lot of the stuff you commit to, you really want it, but you don't even know how to do it. So you're just working your ass off doing trial and error and sort of learning what's not working and then going from there. But if you don't even care enough to to try and to put in ridiculous amount of effort, not only do you start knowing, you start from knowing nothing, you don't even get that trial and error benefit because you're not even putting enough effort into it to start to learn. So I think, you know, these people that build a profile in Fiverr, throw a couple gigs up and then just do nothing else, of course, they're never going to get orders, you know, or people that slap together something on Kickstarter, make a video and then just fit there. No, they're not going to get, they're not going to get a whole lot of backers because you have to be constantly hustling. You have to be trying to collaborate with other people, co-promote with other people. I mean, it's the same everywhere. That's true for Instagram. It's true for Kickstarter. I mean, I've even used co-promotions on Fiverr. It's true everywhere in business to sort of share with different audiences. So I think I fall into yeah, that I camp mean, with, uh, with Instagram because I've been very inconsistent with it, you know, <laughs> uh, about keeping But that doesn't mean schedule. it's just not... Yeah, but you know, yeah. you're doing other things and Instagram's not a priority for you. You know, the problem is people who say, "Man, I I want to do well, you know, I want to build an Instagram audience more than anything else." But then they don't post. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's not your top priority, so it's different from someone who who raises their hand and says, "This is what I want," but then they don't do anything to get it. I find that I I always I guess my flaw is that I always want to move on to something new and, you know, I want to create something new and um, I just don't like, I, I don't like the management stuff so much, you know, like managing social media pages and, you know, posting that stuff. And I think, you know, I just need to get somebody who's like a partner who can, um, you know, cover my flaws and, you know, free me up to focus on the stuff. But, but you're right, you know, and I, I up until I get to that point, I, I do need to, to be more consistent. I guess I need to be more obsessed with uh, growing my Instagram because, you know, I've, I've heard from you and from others that, there's definitely, um, you know, monetizable benefit to this. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think there is whether or not you need to be obsessed with it depends on whether or not, you know, that's something that you're interested in. Um, but in, in terms of, of what you said about yourself, I think that that's pure gold because there's so much truth in what you just said. You know, we all have different skills. We have different things that we're good at. We have different things that we like to do. So you, you will maximize your own output the most when you focus a thousand percent on all the different stuff that you want to do, even if it means hopping around and you build out a team to help you with the stuff that you can do, but don't want to do and frankly don't need to be doing. Yeah. Great stuff here. So, uh, what else? We, we covered a lot during this, this call. It's been uh, good stuff so far. Um, Tell me a little bit about the content of this magazine, and what do you hope to? Uh, what do you hope, I guess, to be? I don't want to say your legacy, but what do you wish to impart to uh, those who would follow you, to other entrepreneurs? Well, I, I'll answer your last question first. So, what I want to impart to people who want to do their own thing and succeed at it is just that you can, um, and that you just have to put your head down and do it. Uh, 
really. I mean, with me, I think part of why things have happened so fast with a magazine is that uh, I have the constant pressure of time because I have this other, you know, the big elephant in my room is that my real life, at least for now, still has to be working and training as a surgeon. Um, and until I'm, I'm finished all of my, my surgeon training in a couple more years, I have some pretty rough demands on my schedule. So that's been, that's really forced me to get the ball rolling. not just have something in my head that I talk about all the time. It, it forced me to really, to really do something. Um, and it, the legacy that I want for the magazine or you, that you were mentioning, I want invented magazine to become a household name. I want people to think of it when they think of wired magazine being related to tech. I want them to think of invented magazine as being the brand that they associate with cutting edge medical tech devices, things that are making a difference, things that are making new procedures possible devices that are sort of changing the way people live. Um, and I really want it to be a recognizable brand. So what are some uh, stories or, um, you know, what can we expect from your first issue? I, I think you're working on that right now, right? I am working on that. So yeah, walk uh, me through it. I pull up my, my content calendar right now. So the, okay. the first, the first uh, article that, that I put together, uh, it, it's, it's the woman that's, that's featured on the front cover. Her name's Yasmin Mustafa. She made a device that helps, uh, it's, it really helps prevent women from being assaulted. It, it has uh, an alarm component that it sounds if, if a woman starts to feel unsafe, she presses the button and it makes this super loud noise and it texts the GPS location to people um, and like to law enforcement. Let's see some of the other some of the other companies that I interviewed. There's a company that uh, will be either in the first or second issue of the magazine that makes a DNA scanning device, basically that fits on your iPhone. Um, this type of technology used to require being in a big laboratory, you know, plugged into a wall, sitting on a, on a lab bench somewhere, and these guys have basically hacked this technology to build something out that can be totally portable that you can bring into the field with you to basically detect and, and, and kind of scan DNA. Um, I interviewed a company that has a 3d printer that prints living tissue. So these guys are, you know, forget about 3d printing, you know, tools and objects. These guys are 3d printing things that are alive. Um, and I think that is super exciting. So none of these things are medical devices per se. I'm not interested in just featuring content that's about devices, but I am interested in showing content that is going to have an impact on how we live, an impact on our health, and really an impact on what we are able to do as people. Very cool. I think it's a very exciting time right now in uh, tech and especially in the medical field. Uh, you know, looking forward to some of the advances that we're going to see in uh, the medical field and in health in general. I'm super excited. I totally yeah. agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I've re, uh, reading the book. I read the book uh, Abundance a while back. Have you heard of that one? I have. You know, yeah. I, I I keep hearing that name, and it's on my list of uh, of books to grab. I think we talked about it last time we we chatted. Uh, I think I mentioned it. Yeah. Again. Yeah. It just um, yeah. this Peter Diamandis. He's a futurist, and um, the, the subtitle of the book is "The Future Is Better Than You Think," and um, 
you know, he just talks about a lot of the advances that we're seeing with like nano machines. Um, the I think it's X Prize that you know can like diagnose you. Uh, just just a lot of the advances are just really exciting, and um, I think it's just going to keep accelerating. And uh, I think I'm I'm excited to to pick up your magazine as well. And uh, when can we expect that? When is the projected launch date for that? I'm I'm expecting uh, mid to late April. I have uh, all of the content ready to go. I've been talking to a couple different folks about doing the design. And what I'm going to try to do is have the first two issues built at the same time so that when it goes live in the App Store, I'll be able to start following it immediately with the other issues. And there will be a podcast also. I'm saving all the interviews. I'm doing them on good quality, high quality audio equipment. And so there will be a companion podcast that sort of outlines a lot of the same content in a different, a different format. Excellent. So if you want to get more info, go check that out at inventedmagazine.com. And uh, we're joined today by David Hinden, D-A-V-I-D-H-I-N-D-I-N. He's a practicing physician. He's a entrepreneur that's created a digital magazine. He's funded on Kickstarter. Uh, he's been a successful fiber seller, uh, grown a big Instagram account. He's had a lot of success. And um, just want to congratulate you and wish you luck on your continued success. Is there anything else that you wanted to um, let the listener know, or you know, any, anything they should check out? They should know about you, or if they wanted to look you up. Sure, I, I have. Uh, if for anyone that's interested in in running their own Kickstarter, I put together a guide with uh, really the, the best practices and and the best hacks that I've come up with running my own Kickstarter alone. Um, and that that guide is at inventedmagazine.com slash Kickstarter. Okay, very cool. And then they can get that for free, right? They just opt in? Totally free, yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much, David. I mean, you really, uh, we really packed a lot of value in this, and thank you so much for sharing all your uh, experience and knowledge with us. Dude, I had a blast. Thanks, thanks for having me on.